Hello, this is Ada Piedarico, and you're listening to Journey Within, Insights on the Soul's Path, an audio archive of blog posts, personal insights, and conversations about the path to self-mastery and fulfillment. I hope you'll enjoy the content, and more importantly, that it'll spark the self-inquiry, contemplation, and reflection that forms the path for the journey within. Thanks for being here, for opening your mind, your heart, and your soul. Today is Sunday, September 30th, and I have a guest. Yes, today's not going to be a full solo cast because I got my act together and pulled somebody in. This is going to be such a fun episode. Oh my gosh, when I was re-listening to the episode and preparing um, to upload it today. This is with my good friend, Nicole East. And I've known Nicole for years and we talk about this. Um, I've known her for like 10 years and we've been following each other's journey. We used to see each other a lot because we worked in similar circles and we reconnected recently and Nicole's story and her entire journey in the past few years is incredible. I mean, she's an incredible person, generally speaking, um, but she's gone through a lot of challenges in life, like a lot that have essentially woken her up. And so our whole conversation is around this awakening process that we've been in both of us. And um, it was such a great conversation to have because I think I mentioned this last time, but it's hard sometimes for me to language this whole thing about awakening. And it's because I think I need to, um, or because, and this is something that I discovered in doing a lot of self-inquiry around it is what's going on? Like, what's your problem? Um, And it really comes down to what are other people going to think because why? Because how I would have previously judged and been in a very judgmental stance around awakening or spirituality. And so for the past couple of months, I've definitely been working with that languaging for myself and what it means and why I may have been a bit, um, remiss to talk about it in such a way. And usually for me, it's because if I can't explain something well enough, especially with language, with the linear left logical brain, I feel like it's not going to be believable. And this is, this is the really interesting thing. Here it is, is that why does it have to be? Because the experience that I've been having around this awakening, around this connecting into my soul, which I talk about in that talk that I gave, and it is the book, it's how I found myself. And so if I strip away all that spirituality stuff that that can carry stigma because of the way it has been presented, which didn't sit well with me, then if I strip all of that away, and I get right down to it. Um, spirituality is self-mastery. It's self-empowerment. It's, hey, I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't want to have these thoughts that hold me back because that's what's really going on. So all of my my work around um, like the neuroscience, this is why I'm taking a yoga psychology course because we're looking at the science behind yoga and obviously like the science in psychology. And the way that these things intersect, like 
traditional spirituality or um, religious beliefs, I suppose, and then science and uh, quantitative analyses. I mean, neuroscience isn't hokey. Quantum physics isn't hokey. And yet, these disciplines and also a lot of psychology, I mean, Carl Jung was very spiritual. He was a mystic. These disciplines based on quantitative analysis and theses and all the way that science works are proving out a lot of the things that in spiritual language have been talked about, but didn't have proof. Why? Because in our Western world where I grew up, and I grew up in very linear, very much in the left brain, that everything needed to be proven. And it was about what you think and not what you feel. But that's not true. I mean, it's not true for me. And then there's there's institutes. There's this thing called the Heart Math Institute. And they have incredible research that I'm reading through right now about the science behind emotions and the heart and the importance of the heart beyond just it being this organ that pumps blood, like the electromagnetic frequency of the heart. And they have science that shows, there's tons of science that that shows how meditating, how mindfulness, how stillness improves our brain function. So this is also some of the stuff that I'm learning in, in the yoga psychology course. So all of this said, basically what I'm trying to get down to is that I had to get over my own negativity around saying, hey, I've had an awakening. So I really, it's like this constant, like facing myself, right? This is what the self-inquiry is about is what do I believe? And does that feel right? Does it feel good? Does it help me? Because if I'm believing something that in a sense makes me feel bad, then there's got to be something wrong with that, right? We're, why would I want to feel bad? Why would I want to limit myself? Why do we limit ourselves? Because we believe something. And for me, a, like a big piece of my life, a big piece of this, uh, this journey and, and my own self-inquiry, the awakening is around dealing with external validation and like fear of what people would think. And it really, it doesn't matter. Why do I need somebody else's permission to be who I am? Why would I need anybody's permission? And I don't know who these people are. Because my family, my close friends support me and love me and are even inspired by me. Why do I care what the skeptics and the haters might think? You know, that's what I'm, that's, that's kind of the stuff that I've been, been working through. And this is all stuff that I get into with Nicole. We talk about this because, I mean, it's so amazing to be able to also get research. Um, and she talks about how many books she's been reading and this one called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And um, there's so much for us to know and to learn about ourselves. And underneath it all is this foundation of basically question everything, especially if it's not serving you. If you're not where you want to be, if you're not feeling good, if you're not quote unquote succeeding, 
you got to question why. And that's basically me. And it's always been like that for me. But up until my life fell apart in 2011, and then I had to rebuild. And then other pieces of my life fell apart. Like I could say my career fell apart, but I could also relens that entirely and say, I didn't lose anything. Nothing fell apart. I chose me. I chose what felt right. I chose myself and I chose my soul because my mind and the ego wasn't cutting it, right? get a bigger salary, get a better title, uh, feel fancy, fly around all the time and be exhausted and bloated and fat, right? Like, how is that helping me? So anyway, it's this whole process of inquiry, relensing, relooking at things, really looking at yourself and does what I believe, does what I think, right? But what I believe, is it serving me? And if what I'm going after doesn't have a meaning beyond the attainment of a superficial goal or aim, if it's just for show, because I know it makes me feel empty inside, if that doesn't have meaning, then it doesn't belong in my life. And if I'm going to go after something, I'm going to go after it because it does have meaning to me and it has meaning on a level that feels good. It's beyond reason. It's beyond thought. And when I give um, my leadership presentations around dissolving biases, around empowering diverse leadership or just leadership in general, self-mastery, I talk a lot about the brain, the left brain and the right brain. And you can actually whittle this all down, at least for me, to say our brain, I mean, we don't throw the brain away in the process of like awakening. I mean, there, there's a reason why we are the way we are. That the point is we don't need to believe the trains of thought and thinking and unexamined behavior that were leading us towards feeling bad, right? It, it's really about re-examining, reframing, redefining, and saying, here's what I deeply desire. How am I going to get there? And part of this podcast, part of this process, my blog, my book, everything, it really is for me like a self-exploration and deconstructing myself. And even being able to say like, hey, yeah, I've really changed a lot and for the better because I'm not chasing emptiness anymore. Um, and that's not to say, and here's where I was getting caught in it. That's not to say that wishing or wanting or desiring something in the material world is bad because there's this whole stigma around wealth to around, oh, you shouldn't want things. You shouldn't want money. I don't think so because we live in a world where that's a, a necessity and, you know, austerity measures and, um, asceticism like sufferance. That's not the point. I really can't imagine that we were born on this world to give up 
any sense of joy or feeling good or pleasure. It's just, that also doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I was never in the camp of believing that I was more in this camp of being lost in chasing it all without really understanding what I was seeking. Um, so when we're, when I'm thinking about like wealth, when I'm thinking about abundance, when I'm thinking about having things, I'm thinking I want things because I, I like stuff also. I like food. I like to eat. Um, so I'm not giving up living in this world. I'm giving up the sense that that's the only thing that matters. I'm giving up a form of subversive and very subconscious worship of the material over a devotion to myself. So those are, those are some of the things that I've really been um, thinking about and really going into it with, um, with this whole idea of awakening and the conversation with Nicole again is so amazing. It was so cool to have her here and to do it face to face and to feed off each other's energy. I'm going to try to do that more um, or more video calls for those that don't live in LA and can't make it out to my house. And it was so great also to speak with someone who very much like me had a huge business background and was pushing and striving and felt lost and I heard something the other day from uh, Eckhart Tolle, and he wrote The Power of Now, which I listened to, gosh, like way back, maybe 2009, um, where I read it, um, and I need to pick that up again. But he's like, he's like the super awakened, like, I don't really know how human he is. But anyway, um, he was saying something that, that really made sense to me, which is that we're not, it's, it's not like we become awakened, but that consciousness awakens in us. And I really think of consciousness, not as a God or an, or God or you know, whatever. I think of it as an expanded awareness and understanding of the world. And for me, I've really come into understanding how to make my life mean something beyond chasing in the material world. So it's subtle and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's there. And, you know, today being the last day of September, um, I'll just touch really quickly on some some numerology. Actually, before I do that, if anybody else is feeling any shame or fear or kind of like anything that makes you feel like you're shrinking around your own form of spirituality, because it's totally personal. We're not worshiping anything at all. We're just trying to live a better life for ourselves. If you're feeling that, if you have those disempowering thoughts like I had, um, I really encourage you to examine those thoughts and, and see if they hold truth because they didn't for me once I dug them out. That's not true. And, you know, it's really about like 
believing in something bigger and having faith in yourself, having faith that I'm here and I'm going to live the best possible life that I can live. And a lot of that requires letting go of thinking that was keeping us basically in a state of not believing in ourselves. And it's spirituality shouldn't be, I shouldn't use the word should, um, it may not be, and it doesn't have to be what anybody else says. It's what you want it to be. That's my other understanding is for me, spirituality is what I want it to be for me, what makes sense for me. And the word doesn't even need to exist anymore for me in a way, because this is just how I live. It's not a label. It's not you know, oh, I'm spiritual. No. Am I a vegan? No. Do I eat vegan? Yes. There's a huge difference. It's, it's just how you lens it. So the same way that I'm releasing, have released shame and fear of judgment and that external validation, because I don't need anyone's permission to be who I am. And neither do you. And this incredible conversation with Nicole really reinforces this. Um, and speaking of all of that, we're going into October tomorrow. And what's super cool about October um, is that from a numerology perspective, it's a number three. And it's all about, it's a number three in this 11 year. Um, all these numbers somehow work out to be ones and threes and 11s. Um, but anyway, um, what it's all about is revealing your true self especially to like your closest loved ones, uh, parts of yourself that you may not have let anyone know. It's about being yourself. So everything that I've been talking about, it's all about that. It's about standing in your power and speaking it. So that's fifth chakra, throat chakra, speaking it, communicating it. Um, and it's your true self in regards to what you're passionate about or something you've been holding inside that needs to be released into the world as part of your life's purpose. So it's really all about being true to yourself. So how cool, because I didn't plan this, I kind of ad-lib everything. How cool everything that I've just been talking about is exactly what October is about. And for I'm doing this, I'm taking this action right now with this the mini solo cast in front of uh, Nicole's conversation. So it's really about honoring your individuality, your uniqueness, and, you know, revealing your authentic self. And in spite of it being in environments that are kind of scary to do that in. So I hope that inspires you also to look up more information about what the number three means in October. Um, I love the videos on numerologist.com. That's where I get my information. Also, Token Rock is where I get my numerology reports. Um, and numerology was really fundamental for me in helping me understand some aspects of myself. So have no fear in October. Express yourself. Be artistic. Be creative. But mostly, like, ex really express who you are deep down inside, like your authentic, your authentic self. This is what life is about. It's expressing ourselves, being ourselves, and not not caring what anyone thinks because you don't need anybody's permission. And with that said, we'll jump right into the interview with Nicole. And I did a boo-boo when we were recording and I accidentally stopped the recording at one point and then picked it up later. So we're, we're going to be talking about her nonprofit and the work that she does. It's amazing. And then 
there's like the little noise and then there's a bit of silence and then we get back into it um, because we didn't really realize when we had dropped the uh, the mic uh, recording. So anyway, that's happening. Um, I can't find a clever way to edit, so I'm just going to own it. Um, but it's an amazing conversation. We talk about so many things. I know you're going to be inspired. And as always, um, enjoy the episode. Let me know if this resonates with you, what you think, um, and what's going on for you. And this is Nicole East. Hey, Nicole. Hey, <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited. This is our first, it's like my first like live, like in person. We're like sitting here in my meditation room. And I'm like, it's like super cool. I'm like, got to do this more often. I know. I'm in sweatpants. I'm chilling. We're good. <laughs> you know, Barrington's on the floor. He's like holding down the fort. <laughs> Very comfortable. Yeah. I, like, I, I like being in your place. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you've been coming to circles, so you've seen it at nighttime when I have it like all done up for like ceremonial space, and then get to see it in the daytime. So. Yes. Yeah. Very glad to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I'm just like so excited because we talked about doing this podcast when you and I like reconnected a few weeks ago, um, and just for for everybody to know. So Nicole and I, we met. Oh my god, like 10 years ago. On a dance floor in Singapore, because where else do you meet amazing like women? <laughs> <laughs> you always meet amazing women on the dance floor. We we partied our ass off that day, I remember. And we had a couple dance floors since then. Yeah. Uh, Miami, I think, uh, New, New York. York. Yeah, so <laughs> We, we've danced all around. Yeah, we've danced all over the world. And then we reconnected dancing um, for the Vixen workout, which is which is how oh, yeah. we saw each other again. And we hadn't seen each other for probably five years. Yes. Because you moved from, you you had lived in Italy when mm-hmm. I first met you. Mm-hmm. I lived in New York. And then you li- then you moved here to Los Angeles. And then I moved here to Los Angeles five years ago. We had dinner, I think, when I very first moved right. here. Mm-hmm. Um, sushi. Yep. And then, yeah, then the L.A., you know, L.A. happens, yes. and you don't see anybody, and you don't drive, and you just yeah. kind of like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, wait, what time? Because the 405 yeah. and the 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pass. <laughs> But, um, yeah, then, uh, we just reconnected probably, I think three months, it's been three months now, but on a whole other level, I've been, uh, dancing. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Because you posted, cause you know, social media is how we keep in touch with everybody when we can't see them face to face. And I remember you posted something about how you were creating a new account for this personal journey that you've been on. And it's funny because I remember when you first moved to LA, when you moved to Long Beach, you started posting about sunsets and I saw your sunset posts and something (laughs) inside of me was like, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's going to change because you're, like, such a New Yorker. And then you had sunset posts, and I was like, oh, uh-oh, it's happening. <laughs> California, I always say this, California changed my life. As soon as I moved here, I, I mean, I moved here uh, in a in a miserable marriage, <laughs> about 300 pounds, and it didn't even have a job when I moved here. And it literally changed my life. And the reason why I was posting sunsets was – you know what, you know, I I moved here and I lost my job the day that I, the day that I moved here. So I just moved cross country and was freaking out. 
And a friend of mine gave me some great advice. She was like, listen, freak out from the moment you wake up and like all day, like, you know, hustle, do, do what you can, like try to find work, do all this stuff, freak out. But then as soon as that sun goes down, that's it for the day. You have to allow yourself time to relax and be comfortable with yourself and not, you know, just be in a panic all the time. So every day that when I very first moved here, I would go to the beach. I lived in Long Beach. So I would walk to the beach and I'd watch the sunset and I would just feel this like calm over me. Like, okay, I freaked the fuck out all day today. And now I'm just going to relax for like the last couple of hours of my day and then start it all over again the next day. So those sunsets really became like a marker of like serenity for me. And so that's why I started like posting, posting all about sunsets and plus I'm a fire sign. So I'm just like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, yeah. I mean, I love sunsets. I did the same thing when I moved to LA, I I lived in Hermosa beach in Manhattan beach when I first moved and I would be down there all the time. And I, and I would say, and this was a lot, this was before I really understood this, soul like the work of the soul that I've been getting into really like opening what I would say like my soul lives in the ocean and it would just come like it just was natural to me like I knew I was so drawn to it especially either sunrise I would get up super early because I lived with a woman and I could sit on her roof in the morning and, and like the sun would rise and then like I would go for a walk at night so there's something really like they say it even in um Native American tradition or like Celtic like more like the earth-based religions and, and um traditions is the water the west is where the soul resides so mm. it makes sense yeah I, I I felt it I really did yeah and, and I love living by the beach and I yeah, California just changed. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I'm the same. Yeah, and so when you posted about creating this new account that talked about your personal journey, um, you were, you know, you were saying like, I need to create a separate account. You're creating a bit of separation from your uh, more like professional, I guess, like personal and professional in this other one. And I think you said something about like, you guys, I've turned into a hippie. And I responded, I said, no, you're a goddess. I'm going to remind you who you are. And then that is, and that's how we reconnected. And we went and worked out at LA Live doing Vixen dance workout, which is like, of course we dance. That's what we do. That's what we do when we get together. Yeah, that's what we get together. But yeah, so you created this new account and like your personal journey and um I just would love to like dig into that a little bit more because it's like amazing I mean because I knew I've known you for a long time like Mm -hmm. whether like however much we hung out before and then kind of seeing you over the years and then now really reconnecting and we've like become so close which is amazing I love it but you know just love to hear about that journey well it's that you know this is what people don't realize is that this is the third time I've started sweating and swearing and the the first part that inspired it was of course uh me losing 80 pounds and that was the first kind of jolt in my life mm-hmm. I think so when I first moved to California um you know I was my marriage my married my, 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 my <laughs> marriage was failing um I I'd been extremely overweight my whole life uh I'd always used food as a way of comfort and uh you know I was dealing with a lot of trauma and abuse and using food to, to, to deal with that. So coming into California with the stress of not knowing what I was going to do for a job or career and having to deal with all that, those things, um, something in 
moving here to California inspired me to take charge of my life. And I ended up getting a divorce. And immediately after that divorce uh, ended up realizing that I needed to do a change for my body and to start treating myself a little bit more nice. Mm -hmm. And through that, I mean, I had dieted and exercised my whole life and never was able to achieve the success that I did once I, uh, you know, just once I realized what I needed to do was love myself. I didn't need to go on a diet. I didn't need Mm -hmm. to go work out, you know, for three hours a day. All I needed to do was love myself and that in turn would make sure that I treated myself nicely with food, Mm. that I treated myself nicely with my self-talk and uh, supported myself. Right. So through that, I was able to lose 80 pounds and that really changed my life. And that gave me a whole new perspective on life. And once that happened, I was like, whoa, holy shit, like all these chicks, like, you know, I, all I wanted to do was like, it's kind of like when we talk about being woke, Mm -hmm. once I realized that I could lose that weight and how I felt, I was like, Oh, I wasn't happy being, Mm -hmm. being that person. I thought I was, you know, I was, I was always the happy go lucky, you know, attitude. And I've always been that way, but deep in my soul, it wasn't, it, you know, I was hurting because Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't being nice to myself and I wasn't loving myself. So Losing all that weight really changed my life, and that's what inspired me to do Sweat and Swear in the first time. But I didn't want to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was too much because I also was like, I still have 30 pounds to lose. Who am I to, right. who am I to encourage like, someone to like, lose weight when I'm still fat, you know, and, and that negative talk. So I put, put it out there for you know, a couple posts, and I was trying to copy like other um, fitness Instagrams that I had seen okay. and that I had followed. And... I just, it it wasn't, it wasn't sitting right with Mm. me. So I took it down and I think I tried to start it up again. And then I took it down again. And I was like, maybe I'm just trying to, I don't, I didn't know what I was trying to do. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, forget about it. And then, uh, coming upon this throughout the years and, and still dealing with, uh, different things coming to a point where I started to realize just signs and people, um, people making comments to me Mm. that that I did inspire them in some way, shape or form gave me the confidence to finally be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try this witness wearing, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm, I curse like a sailor, so <laughs> I'm not going to give a shit. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, and I'm just going to be me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be as real as I can, and I'm going to admit my faults, and I'm going to admit when I stumble yeah. because I think it's really important that I'm just not on here being like, look what I did, look what I did. Like, this is what we can do. Mm. But it's important to be like, I fucked up. Yeah. Everyone fucks up. Yeah. Like, we just got to get back on the horse and, and do it again. And I And through doing that through my first post – um, a woman who I had been friends with for about 10 years uh, reached out to me with this uh, pretty pretty lengthy uh, message about, like, oh, my gosh, like, thank you so much for posting that. I've been feeling this way and this way. I haven't been able to get over my divorce. I haven't been able to lose this weight. And, you know, just her reaching out to me like that, that's when I was like, okay, 
this is the third time I'm starting it. And that, that that's, this is the last time I'm starting it because this is, I'm going to just go full force. And since then, um, doing this has inspired me to get more into the mental health aspect of it and not just like working out and eating well, Mm -hmm. because physical health comes from mental health. Absolutely. Everything in your life actually comes from your mental health. So encouraging, uh, I, I always say encouraging women because, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cisgendered woman. And that's from the place where I can speak of with my experience, even though I think that some of the things that I talk about can also, it, all of the things that I can talk about can be, you know, for all humans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I always, but I, but when I talk, I'm, I'm usually talking to women just because that's from the comfortable place that I, that I feel. Cause yeah. I know what we go through as women mm-hmm. with, you know, our negative self-talk and uh, you know, the, the, society pressure for our appearance. Mm-hmm. So doing that uh, and getting all of the feedback from the people that follow me is that's, that's what keeps me going. And that's what keeps wow. me inspired to continue to do that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Like you're on there like all the time and I'm still in that phase where I'm not quite there around like, you know, I mean, I have the, my blog and the podcast, but I don't, I, I flip flop back and forth a lot in my head about like, should I do more like Instagram live? And I also know that when I feel comfortable, like I've really, like part of my journey has really been listening to my intuition, which like really speaks to me through my body as well, like in a different way. And so it's, it just like, I keep getting a no, like, no, it's not time. <laughs> like I, so, and I have to be okay with that, even though my, you know, the, the, my, my, identity from being so driven and like the businesswoman like you were too and and it's just like no but you should like I get the should like you know marketing like this was your life for like so many years and um and I just have to like reel myself back in and just say like you're still in a phase of learning and exploring and really understanding and so but like I follow and I see and you're always doing your videos and I think you did one on um I think it was like July 4th and you did a super long bike ride from Long Beach to like, did you get all the way down to El Segundo maybe? Or you got really far. Like we're in Hermosa Beach. I thought I ride my bike all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I rode long, yeah like 30 <laughs> miles. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. See, I might, I don't feel comfortable on bicycles for whatever reason. It's like not my thing. Um, but you were doing CrossFit too. Do you still do CrossFit? No. Um, I have, I have super bad knees, always had bad knees my whole life. And after doing CrossFit uh, and I'm turning 40 next year, mm-hmm. which I'm super excited about, <laughs> but I'm also realizing like this, my body is not my 20 year old body. Right. And plus being so heavy for so many years, it really put some strain on my joints. Yeah. And I did CrossFit for about three years and that's how I ended up losing the initial 80 pounds. Mm. And I totally credit CrossFit for introducing me to hard friggin work, right? Like yeah. getting my ass kicked right. when I go to the gym for that one hour and lifting weights. I never lifted weights before. So right. it really got me into that, but, um, it really wasn't doing good for my joints mm-hmm. after doing it for a while. So, uh, now I go to the gym and I do yoga, yeah. which are, which are my two and, but riding my bike is low impact on my knees. And that's what totally got me into I'm like obsessed with my bike like that's my girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) so yeah riding riding 30 miles you know 
every weekend and then trying to write as much as I can during the week yeah. that that's my cardio and it's yeah. also my therapy you know mm-hmm. having to focus on the road and mm-hmm. not having your mind really wander and think about stuff it helps yeah it must be meditative like for me the yeah. walking along the beach was like really meditative yeah so I've uh I heard about meditate um using meditation during your walks and you know Mm -hmm. so right now I'm trying to do it with the cadence of my bike so I'll breathe in for four uh, strokes and then breathe out for four strokes and I'll see like just how long I can just concentrate on my breathing while I'm riding the bike and I did that I I biked from Long Beach down to like Newport and uh, I think that was like 20 something miles and the entire time I didn't play music the entire time I was just listening Mm -hmm. to myself breathe and it was Mm -hmm. awesome and the time goes by so fast too. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, um, I was just saying like, I just came out of this two weeks, um, uh, two modules of the yoga psychology training. And the first week was, um, was a module all about mindfulness, meditation, and neuroscience. And a couple things came to mind when you were saying this one, um, I'll pull it up. Um, not right now cause it's somewhere else, but there's a map of the brain and it shows like scientifically, neuroscientifically where different, um, exercises, types of exercises or movements strengthen different parts of the brain. Mm. So like weightlifting will, will strengthen, I don't know, like, I don't even know, like, I can't even remember the names of the, of the pieces of the brain, but like, it's different from the one that cardio will strengthen. And then yoga, I think it's like your frontal lobe where it like shuts down, the monkey mind, like it literally like makes your blood flow or your neuroreceptors like go to a different area, but like different exercises impact your brain totally differently. I I totally, I I totally know because the the difference that like being a fat chick and needing to, and and wanting to work out and try to find that one thing Mm -hmm. I've done everything. Mm -hmm. I've done weightlifting. I've done Zumba. I've done, Tony Little, I've done like anything you can ever think of that was for working out. I tried and I felt different after each one. Like, and and when I resonated with CrossFit for so much was because I had never lifted weights before. That was a feeling that Mm. I hadn't felt before. Right. And now yoga as well. Like that's a feeling that I had never felt before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it actually, to me, when I saw that map of the brain, I thought, wow, like that's. Uh, also a case for having a variety of um, pieces or different kinds of exercise to do in your life because you can't I mean you can of course but like from the perspective of wholeness like if we if we have a strength building routine on the one hand and then we have um, like the a more meditative like yoga approach on the other hand it just helps to strengthen the whole brain and that whole connection is so important and then I also wanted to say too with the meditation I mean we get a sense maybe from media that meditation means you have to like sit super rigid and still with your legs crossed your knees and your hips hurting and then just you have to have to being the operative term Uh just do nothing and it's not that at all I mean meditation is it's a single pointed focus at any given time which is also the same as mindfulness so you can meditate while you're eating, like we did little practicums of meditation and somebody had like mindful eating as a meditation because anything you do applying the principles of meditation, like you were saying on your bike ride, that, that is meditation. You can do it with everything. You don't have to sit 
in the dark with your eyes closed. And I think that allows all of us to have a little more compassion with ourselves when we're doing things. And even if it is two minutes of mindfulness, like that, that's standing in line at the post office, like, and just concentrating on your breathing while you're waiting in line at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Like, like, yeah, you don't have to sit down in your Lotus pose and and concentrate on not thinking about anything. Yeah. You can really use mindfulness all throughout your day. Yeah. And it, and it changes everything. Yeah. I had a really good friend, uh, shout out to Misty (laughs) who changed the way that I was going to the gym because I go to the gym blast my trap music, you know, like, and, and just like, just go through all the motions. Cause I still hate the gym. Like I, know. I hate the gym, but I gotta go. <laughs> but she was like, listen to this uh, Mongolian chant music and some chakra music while you're at the gym. And I was like, what? I was like, that's weird. Like, uh, but I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It changed everything because it's that single minded focus. Right. And so now when I'm, I, I'm listening to chant music and I'm working out on, on a station and I'm just focused on, you know, what I'm working out. And it's not like, oh, I can't wait to get this over with. And the right. music isn't like rough and, you know, crazy. So I'm just like plowing through it. I'm, I'm actually like breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. I'm feeling my muscles work. And I'm actually like really in tune with what I'm doing and not just going through the motions. So that, that's changed everything. For oh, me. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's super cool. Cause it, it's fun too, because you know, everyone else at the gym, you know, they're all, they're all listening to Jay-Z and Eminem and going crazy. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if they even knew what I was like, jamming out to right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I started listening to a lot of classical music and like Gregorian chants a little bit earlier this year when I went through like a really rough, um, I call it the dark night of my ego, not so much my soul, but like I was in like a really, really bad place. And I learned all about, um, uh, solfeggio frequencies. So like resonant frequencies in music. And then there's, there's this whole thing about the correct, um, frequency of music being 432 Hertz instead of 440, um, which is what all music is, um, tuned to today. And there's this whole conspiracy theory whether it's true or not that the nazis changed the musical tone to 440 because it's dissonant to our dna and they could more easily create anxiety in people and so they use that because the correct tuning that that you feel good is 432 Interesting. And you get that in classical music it should be tuned to 432 which is why classical music recorded properly mm-hmm. has a very different effect on our state of being um, and Gregorian chants are the same way. So probably also part of the, the music, like aside from the way that you use it mindfully could be like these resonant frequencies. Like there's a reason why we feel calmer when we listen to certain kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also something. So I had like all this classical music and this, and, and Andrew, before he started um, working downtown in his, in his new office, he's just like, when are you going to stop listening to classical music and like Gregorian <laughs> chants and the Dalai Lama? I'm like, I don't know, but I just know that I really need this right now. And so he would just close the door to, to his office and I would just, I'd just be in the house, like floating around to like Mozart. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I've changed the music that I've listened, I, I listened to uh, it, and it really has, has changed the, the way that my day flows. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, getting in the car, 
um, you know, cranking hardcore, you know, I was a hardcore punk rock right. like, girl yeah. when I lived in New York. So it was like, you know, pump up the Slayer, like get the hate breed, like, yeah. And, and that, that was what you listened to in the car. And now, you know, I'm like opening my chakras and shit on the 405. Cause like, it's like, it's like, that's, that's what I, that's what's making me feel good at the moment. Yeah. I feel like I have to constantly pump myself full of positive affirmations mm. and uh you know music that isn't uh, that isn't abrasive yeah. or that you know things that are meaningful that's like all I want to listen to now yeah. and and the music that I used to listen to and the things that I used to you know take my time to to listen to just aren't in my repertoire yeah. anymore yeah I totally hear that I'm the same way like I can't I can't be around it. Like, and I, I've actually had that with people. Like a lot of people have fallen out of my life. Like I, it's a frequency issue. It's literally like vibration vibrate completely differently and it's dissonant. And we become so much more aware of that as we kind of turn our gaze inward. Like we were talking about before, like that, that search for meaning being an internal search. And when we lock in on that and start to know ourselves from the inside out, it, becomes so much easier to recognize like that, that person, like bless them. I, but it just is, it, it's like jarring. I see it in a heartbeat now. Mm -hmm. I, I see it before people even open their mouths. Like I, and, and it is jarring and it also makes you feel like you're, you're some kind of weirdo that like, you know, it's like I, all of a sudden I can't relate to people anymore. And yeah. so I find myself more isolated and more secluded. And then I'm like, am I weird? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, and then you, you find that cause it, you've known me for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like being in the position that I was when I lived in New York, it was like, you know, thousands of friends. I was yeah. a party promoter and yeah. you know, it was like, you're out drinking and you know, everybody yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of held that mentality coming over here in, into New York or into Los Angeles. Um, but then once I realized it, you know, once, once the turn happened, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was like, Oh, like these people really aren't, good for me. Mm -hmm. They could be good people, yeah. but they're not, they're not good for me and mm -hmm. what I need in my life to be calm and confident yeah. and, uh, you know, along the same frequency and vibrations as other people. Yeah. So it, it made me like go from coming out here and knowing, you know, a couple hundred people to like, I talked to like maybe five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's because I literally, I can't entertain I can't entertain negative energy anymore. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't even do some of the things that I used to do, mm -hmm. like go to clubs, go to bars, do, yeah. do that stuff. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm like, it, it was kind of funny. We were having a party. Uh, my friend of a friend of mine was having a party on Labor Day and I remember, we were having a good time. Everybody was having a good time. And I was like, okay, guys, we're going. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to go read. <laughs> I love it. And I was, I, and in my head, I'm like, I know I sound like a fucking loser, but I don't even care because I am so stoked on this book right now. And I'm just going to sit at my house. And I sat at my house for the rest of the weekend mm. by myself reading, and it was glorious. <laughs> I love that. I love the word glorious. It's just amazing. Was that the weekend you read the subconscious book? Is that the book? Oh, gee, girl, I've read... 
I've read like maybe six books in the last four months. Wow. I am that it's physical I, books. Like yes. do you buy physical books? Yes. I buy physical books. I had a Kindle for a while and then I was like, I'm looking at a screen. I know. I already look at a screen all yeah. freaking day. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So, and I'm loving like going in because that subconscious book that mm-hmm. I ended up buying the power of the subconscious mind was also just like, I like going to the bookstore. Like, I've Oh, been, you go to the bookstore. Oh, see, I need to go back and do that. Oh, I've been nerding out. When I went to Connecticut this past weekend, mm-hmm. I went to a used bookstore. Oh. And I got a book from like Maya Angelou. I got um, another book from Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to used bookstores now and, and oh, check that out. Like, just going on the shelf and kind of looking and then and physically looking at the back of the book and seeing if I'm interested yeah. in it. So right now I, I'm, I've got like a stack of books like this, like next in line. Um, the Seed of the Soul is the book that I just started today, actually. Who's that? Who wrote that? Um, I don't rem- I, I don't have the name off the top of my head, yeah. but uh, it came recommended through a podcast that I listened to for Oprah Winfrey's Soul Super yeah. Soul Sunday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've just been, I've been reading books like crazy, but that, that subconscious, uh, the power of the subconscious mind book was amazing. And, and I got like three more books based on that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Read those. And now I'm continuing with this, yeah. this one. So, yeah, I think everything, and this is why I was so interested in this yoga psychology training and like this 300 hour, because it's the science of yoga. I mean, it's, it, it's this idea um, that yoga, uh, well, a yoga is not just postures. Like that's Hatha yoga. That's like one thing. There's like Ayurveda, which is like the science, um, of like of health. And then Hatha is more like the science, the yoga of the body and then Nada, which is the science of sound. And so there's all, and then there's just like this larger philosophy around, um, yoga, but, but specifically like if you're a yoga teacher, you're doing yoga, it brings stuff up emotional stuff, psychological stuff. And so, and it's this beautiful um, mix of depth psychology. And so like a lot of Carl Jung stuff, which is like archetypes and like really, really deep. And, um, and he was very mystical. Like he was a mystic in his own way. And then how that interacts with our body. Um, and I've always been interested in the, the mental side of things. Like I wrote a thesis on emotional intelligence. That was like my thesis for for university. And so, and that was back in 2002 when, when Daniel Goleman first like came out with that work. And I remember being really drawn to it. Um, but I think that as we, as this society, this culture, especially here in the West is so mind-based that this is how we understand the world right now until we can reconnect into our bodies, but then also still needing that anchor for the left brain to say, I want to understand what's going on with my body, what's going on with my soul. So that like we're allowing the right brain its space, right? The spatial conceptual right brain, which is more connected to our higher self to connect there, but it's like giving a, a dog a bone to chew is like the left brain, right? Like, feeding, <laughs> like keeping it busy over here and then allowing like our, our, um, it's different in the, in the yogic tradition. Like there's, um, the, the wisdom, the wisdom body, like we're physical bodies inside five other bodies as opposed to the soul being like in like squashed and like crunched up in this body. Like it's actually the other way around. Um, but, you know, to your point about like the subconscious, like it's so powerful. Like if we can activate it, that's how we're connecting to these higher levels of knowing that's yeah. not our brain and reaching goals yeah. and knowing, I feel like we, we were a, 
species that just needs to know everything. Totally. <laughs> so we need to know like, who is this? What is this? And we put everything into a little cubby. So everything's organized mm-hmm. and that, that we, that, you know, that we feel smart, but yet we're only doing that with external things and it's, and we're not doing it with like, who are we mm. and, and, and trying to find the answers to that. Yeah. It'll take your entire life because you're continuously changing, right. but it's also super difficult to, 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 find yourself because like, you know, you're not, you're not seeing anything. It's all about feelings. And, you know, you're talking about the subconscious mind, which, mm. you know, is it, is it your soul? Is it God? Yeah. Like all, all of these things. And you have to like really interpret that for yourself. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like the hardest work I've ever done is like this real commitment to like, who, like, who am I? Like, what have I been seeking my whole life. And we were talking about this when you got here, like we're talking about travel and I want to talk about healing Inc. too and, and your, your upcoming trip, but like always seeking outside of ourselves, like, Oh, like I always felt like there was something that was driving me and I just didn't know what it was. And it's not uncommon and it's not wrong, especially when you're little, because this is how humans, this is it. This is our life. Like we uh, are conditioned by, growing up by the people around us. And so what do they learn? What did they learn? Society, culture, media, et cetera, et cetera. So you look to the outside yep. um, for who am I and what's the acceptable me? Like what's the acceptable identity? And then we build off of that. And at least for me, I, my search for meaning ended up being extremely externally validated and I really lost touch with who am I. And then even, even during my first marriage, I really lost who am I? Because up until that point, like I, you know, I was adventurous. I wanted to do all these things, but then I, I kind of trapped myself in a life where I was like, Oh crap. Like I can't, I actually didn't think I could get out of it. I'm like, no, there's too many people at stake. Like all, you know, my, that, um, that presentation I gave was all about that. Right. I was like, I was, I trapped myself in this picture perfect life that I didn't think I could get out of because what will everyone think? if I, I couldn't even admit to myself, I was unhappy. Like that's how lost I was. And so like refinding self that way and being able to say, no, like I'm important. And this, I think this is like humanities or at least the Western world right now is like stopping and saying, I'm important from the inside, not here's how I want to make myself look important. Yeah. Outside. Well, I think that we are born thinking that we are not enough. Mm. The society uh, tells us that we're not, you know, as pretty, we're not as smart, we're not as, and you know, X, Y, and Z. So we grow up thinking that we're not enough. So if we aren't born enough, then that means I have to go find what I'm missing. And so for me, it was, you know, finding men or uh, find going and traveling the world to try to find Maybe I'm supposed to live here. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me it's, too. Like, it's like, shit ain't working out here, so maybe I'm supposed to be living somewhere else. And so we go like searching for, you know, it's something to make us feel like we're complete. Mm. And we search and we search and we search and we're never going to find it. And we exhaust ourselves trying to fit a mold of what we think you know, like, so we, we get married and we're in a marriage that doesn't work for us, or we move to a place that, you know, isn't 
you know, that we really don't need to be living in, or we take a job that really makes us miserable. And we do all of these things in hopes that we're going to find that missing piece inside of us. And it's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, it's an endless search. Um, but once you, you know, there hopefully comes a point in everyone's life where they realize that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I, I, I'm not traveling now to find something. I'm not going to be in a relationship in hopes of someone to complete me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really, once you're whole and you know that you're complete and you know that you are enough and that you are love and that you are God and you are everything that you need, that's when the whole entire external world can shift into your favor through the power of the subconscious mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting you said that about like the like the knowing that you are God, like this has been like part of like my internal struggle for the last um probably like the last few weeks is really, I spend a lot of time in self-reflection. I mean, I think I spend more time in self-reflection than doing anything else. Like, um, but it's, I'm, I'm at a stage right now where I'm just working through a lot around identity. Like we've talked about a lot of times before and we talk about in circle, like what's going on with us. And it's been like this like molting of like, I had that identity when I was married and then I came back into like, okay, my career. So like, that was always like my number, probably like my number one driver was always like being this like successful career person. And then, you know, when I left my, you know, seemingly successful career last year and just didn't have a backup plan, didn't have anything. Like I threw myself into dissolution of identity and that's where I've been for the past year. And like learning to still love myself or somehow be okay with, I'm no longer this person. Like I don't need to identify myself as a valuable person, like that worthiness you were talking about as the successful businesswoman. Cause we mm-hmm. like, we like it's, and it becomes something where um, my friend Lauren, who's in teacher training um, with me as well. And she's gone through a big um, uh, also like a career identity um, and a career change. And she was saying, when we're, we work in industries, like you have been working in the art and specifically the tattoo industry for a while now, male dominated for me, finance, technology, like male dominated industries. And we quote unquote succeed because we don't, you know, disintegrate, right? Like it's like we survive an industry like that. It becomes something we hold on to as like, I made it like it's our trophy. It's our trophy. And it's really hard to let go of that trophy. Yeah. And that's been something that I realized the last couple of weeks where I was like, Oh, I haven't been able to fully let go of that. And I'm still figuring out why specifically, but because it's like, I it's, it's just not, I was not survived. I mean, I was surviving. I certainly wasn't thriving doing it. And I certainly didn't love doing it. It didn't make me feel good. It yeah. made me feel like oh, I can do it. Like I had something to prove. Oh, totally. I mean, the Aries in me, oh yeah, I'm like, I'll do this, I'll kill it, and you you know, that confidence kicks in, and uh, that's totally what it is, is, you know, being in New York, and, you know, making six figures, and traveling the world, and doing all this stuff, and, and, you know, people giving you accolades for it, Mm -hmm. that's, and then then you kind of, you know, your ego gets stroked, and, and you think that, like, this is, this is me. Like I'm a successful person. That, that's what we think success is. And then, you know, now in New York, I'm making, you know, 
way less money, but I'm so much more happier. Right. And, and it's because I'm not identifying my life with my job. I'm identifying my life for, with myself and my feelings. And like that, that feels a lot more, I'm a lot, a lot more at peace and a lot more happy than I was identifying with, you know, a, a big paycheck right. and, and a job that like, I didn't like, who cares? I don't <laughs> even have that job anymore. Like, <laughs> I know I have like I have like nightmares of like LinkedIn right because I had like, I built this and built like such a career and such a reputation through like this work that I did in financial technology and and I met some amazing people and I loved it and I and I like some of the work I really liked the work I did but it's really hard to not necessarily be on there so much. Like I don't go on Twitter at all. I just can't handle Twitter. I haven't been on there in a long time, but like that was me like trying to keep up, trying to keep up. And, and I started this year to just allow myself to not have to want to keep up and just allow myself into the space of like, let it go, let it go. Does it matter? Does it matter? Like I'm constantly Uh questioning like what, what has meaning to me? And that, like, that's been a big piece of it. And so I remember, I don't know what month this was, but I remember thinking about gratitude because I could never anchor a gratitude practice. Like it never made sense to me because I was approaching it with a left brain. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write my three things. And yeah, exactly. And I just couldn't get it. And I remember one morning sitting out in my living room and just looking around my house and I just got this big wave of like love. And I just thought, no, I have so much because I was like, I don't know how this works in my head, but it was like gratitude equals you're going to get something for being grateful, which is not the right way to do gratitude. You're not supposed to do it. Like you're going to get a prize for doing gratitude. Like, Oh, I was a good girl. I did my gratitude practice. Now you can, you know, like I want the windfall yeah, yeah. or whatever was going through my head. And I was sitting there and I thought, I have so much and I felt it. And I think that was a really big shift. That was a really big moment for me when I understood what it meant to feel meaning and not just think about something as, as important as a gratitude practice. Yeah. And I think when people first start into a gratitude practice, they have to do that. They have to do the three things. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and really think about it and it takes a while for that to resonate and after repetition, being able to be like, you know what, like sitting there thinking, man, nothing ha- good happened today. And then looking around and being like, oh my God, like yeah. everything is awesome. Mm-hmm. And and through repetition and, you know, just constantly, like I said, I, I pump myself full of positivity and, yeah. and stuff every day is because it has to literally like sink down in and it has to be repeated time after time. And then all of a sudden one day you'll realize like, Oh shit. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just hits you. You just feel good. Mm -hmm. And what's funny and and it sounds absurd, but I never recognized what it meant to feel good for like such a long time. Like I just didn't have awareness of it. I'm sure I felt good, but I couldn't recognize that feeling good. And that's a gratitude practice of just, wow, I feel so good. Like stopping and being in that feeling and just thinking, this is amazing. My life is great. That's mindfulness. That's like perfect presence. Like right now, nothing else. I feel this. I don't have to think about anything else. And thank you for, thank myself for stopping and realizing it. But that was really foreign to me. Just pausing is foreign to a lot of Mm. people. We're on the go so much that if we just took time to just pause for a second, 
Like no matter what the hell's going on, what chaos is ensuing, yeah. just pause for a second. Mm-hmm. Realize that like at your age, you have made, you've gone through every single mm-hmm. turmoil that you've had to ever, you know, put yourself through and, or that has been bestowed upon you and just being grateful that you're here today to give it another chance. Yeah. Just pause. Yeah. No, I know. I, I pause all the time now. I'm like, man, if anybody actually knew what I did for most of the day, <laughs> a whole lot of nothing. It's like, nothing. yeah, reading, being quiet, not talking to people. Yeah. I'm like, I might as well be a mummy. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then like, but having those practices too, so that when you do go out in public or just on the freeway, um, you can like manage the energy because like, yes. as we wake up, and we understand the vibration of things, <laughs> the energy here in LA, I remember a healer I worked with, he said to me, he said, I'm surprised that you're so high functioning. Cause apparently I was, he, this is when I first started learning about it. He said, you're so, so energetically sensitive. He's like, I'm surprised you're so high functioning in LA. And, um, and I, then I really started to notice my coping mechanisms for being high functioning. And a lot of those were really just stuffing and I was never clearing my energy and I was never setting like energetic boundaries. So like you're saying like chakra clearing or just being able to set kind of visually set an energetic boundary that I learned um, through like um, a shamanic practice, actually just a visualization and just like starting to do those kinds of things so that, you know, I don't fully have to be a hermit. Like I don't like leaving my house if I don't have to, but at the same time, that's not the, you know, it's not realistic. Um, so, so a lot of that really is like, so that we can function in the world because I really believe that the, it's like the days of like the mystic on a mountaintop and some like modern, like thinkers like Caroline Mace, who's one of the people that, um, I love her work. She says this all the time. There's no such thing anymore. I mean, there is, but that's going away. Like the work of people who are waking up or modern mystics or healers is to be in this world because this is where we're needed the most. Yeah. And we can't, I mean, we could just cloister ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, but that wouldn't actually serve the purpose that I think we're here for. Like why else would we wake up to what has meaning if it wasn't to help other people do the same? You're right. I still don't want a model there. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Like four or five be damned. But um. when I, when I wake up in the morning and if I, you know, if I have to, if I, when I'm going to work, I literally, I, I literally the way of the warrior. I'm like, I'm, I'm preparing for war. I'm yeah. going to be going out into the world and you know, it happens all the time. Like people, when they drive here, they're just like angry mm-hmm. and I get yelled at and honked at yeah. and you know, people flipping each other off and mm-hmm. the energy and people huffing and hoeing because they got to stand in line for two seconds yeah. and all this like angst and energy is out there. And I'm like, all right, we're going to war. <laughs> and it's my job to remain calm, mm-hmm. to encourage other people to remain calm and to yeah. think positive. And that's what I want my mission to be is to like be that energy that kind of flows through all that chaos and maybe encourages one or two people to just be like, Oh, okay. It's not so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's what I'm hoping yeah. to do. And and that's what I hope to also do through sweat and swearing. Like all of the times that, you know, you have self doubt or, you know, you're going through something difficult with a relative or relationship or, you know, I got broken up with. And when I was on the, when, when I started the, the thing, so I was mm. putting it out there that, you know, 
yeah, I'm bawling my eyes out and this sucks. Yeah. And it's because I want, I, I want to show my truth, but I also want to encourage people to see like, it, it gets better. Everybody, yeah. nobody has an exclusive pain. Everybody's pain, pain is universal. Yeah. Whatever pain you have felt, you are not alone. There are thousands and thousands of other people who have gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. What, you know, the, the most horrible things that have happened to, to people have happened to other people. You yeah. aren't alone. Yeah. And if you know that and you can get through it with an encouraging word of, you know, listen, that this happens and it sucks. And I'm going to sugarcoat it fucking yeah. sucks, <laughs> yeah. but you're going to get through it mm-hmm. and, and to remain positive and to continue to be grateful and just yeah. be mindful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And it's so true. Like I've also been a lot more mindful in my interactions with people that I, like, I don't know. Um, to smile more. I love, oh, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. <laughs> Cause living on the East coast, you don't even look someone else in the eye. Otherwise you're going to like, Oh, you're trying to take my wallet. Like, you know, <laughs> shit's about to pop off out here. So I live on the beach path. My favorite thing is to look at people. So actually had a stop and smile, mm-hmm. but I actually had, so I had told you that I, you know, survivor of a sexual assault mm-hmm. and going through that, I totally retreated from, uh, even being able to look at people. Oh my God. I, I couldn't even, I, I didn't trust anybody. I couldn't even, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was, it was going inside myself. So once I started realizing what, that it was detaching me from my life, I knew that I had to start practicing to integrate, you know, back into society and, and try to at least at least associate with, with strangers again. So every day I would get on the bike path and for the first couple of weeks, it would just be walking down. And then when I see somebody like look up real quick and just, just look at their face super, super quick and see if I could do that. A couple of weeks later, I was able to make eye contact and then I'd be, you know, I'd still get anxious and nervous, but I'd be able, okay, I did that. A couple of weeks later, maintain eye contact and then smile. Wow. And that changed everything. Wow. Some people smile. Like the first person that smiled back at me, it was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Aww. I'm going to be okay. And now to this day, I'm on the bike path. I look every single person in the eye and I smile. And when they don't smile, it makes me smile even bigger because I'm like, I'm like, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. (laughs) And then when they do smile, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just that connection with people. Being able to have that connection is so awesome. And I, and when I see somebody and I smile at them and they don't smile in return, I think about myself Mm. and where I was years ago when I wasn't even able to, to look at somebody in the face yeah. and I just send them even more love and more gratitude and like enjoy wow. when, when that happens. Yeah. That's so. amazing. I mean, the fact that you were able to that practice, like you do most people, I mean, a lot of people I'm would, you know, you therapy and like all that, not, nothing is wrong with that. But what you just described was like you, that's your Aries. That's your leader. That's your, like, I have to do this for myself because the alternative 
is it's like not a working. form of death. It's yeah. like you, you are alive, but you're like a ghost. Like you don't, without the interaction, we don't really exist as our, like the fullest expression of ourselves. Yeah. I love people and mm. you know, I'm an outgoing person. So to be able to, to have that happen and then just be so introverted and scared and not able to connect with people after that, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this is going to change me mm-hmm. as a person. If I, if I don't work at it and I had to literally work, it was, I never thought that it would be scary for me to look somebody and look a stranger in the face. I know I was always that type of person that'd be like, what's up? I'm here. You know, and, and <laughs> yeah. going, you know, dancing on the floor in Singapore. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But after that happened, it's, it literally is like, okay, I have to re I either have to redefine myself. Yeah. Or I have to continue to be the person that I like the things about myself that I like yeah. and that I enjoy and not let that kill that part of me. Yeah. So, yeah, which is like your heart and your soul, like ultimately, and like that you brought yourself back to life with the simple, a simple practice, not easy, but simple practice Mm -hmm. of smiling at at somebody. And like, you just never know what a smile could, could do to some, like, we don't know what anyone is going through ever. And like, that's the other half of it for me has really been an awareness of I have no idea what anyone's going through. I have a hard enough time figuring out what I'm going through if I'm not yeah. feeling good, right? Like, and so I don't know. It's right? all about empathy. I, you know, I think I treat everybody if I don't know them and I and they're acting a certain way towards mm-hmm. me. I act like somebody that they loved just passed away, mm-hmm. and I put that and I'm like, how would I treat my friend? Or how would I treat someone who I know just lost a loved one yeah. and is reacting yeah. at, in life to a certain way? Like, yeah. and that's usually what I would think about when, you know, I'd walk down the beach path and I would smile at somebody. I was smiling at them. Like I, I'm hoping that you're healing. Mm-hmm. And, and cause we are all going through stuff. Always. Always. Yeah. So yeah, you always have to be, you know, some people just aren't dealing with it as well as others. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, and and it could be like, it's like a ripple effect because maybe that person it's unexpected and it brightens them a little bit. Cause again, the vibration and the energy, and it might be like something that they pay forward. Like I always think about yeah. those kinds of things too. Like I always think like if, if everybody for just at the same minute, everyone in the world for the same minute of this one day, or just nicer, just for one whole minute, energetically, vibrationally, I literally think the whole world would change forever. <laughs> you know, too, I have yeah. these thoughts. I'm like, what if we could all, you know, like the minute of silence that it's usually something solemn. And it's like, no, like, actually, this is really interesting. Um, there is the scientific evidence around, well, A, the electromagnetic field of the heart being the biggest electromagnetic field of any, um, organ in the body period and how scientists tracked after 9-11 the earth's vibration changed the electromagnetic field changed because of the collective pain and grief like and they tracked it i can't i have to find the articles i have it um because i've gotten really interested in this this whole uh the science around like the heart from the electromagnetic um 
aspect and not just the spiritual, but how important it's way more important. Like it, it actually holds memories. Like there's all this science now around how important the heart is. And it's not just like the blood pumping organ, but it's the same thing. And I think, well, if nine 11 or some mass event like that could change the electromagnetic frequency of the earth for however long, the opposite could be true in terms of like an opposite experience, like an experience of love or peace, which, which then reframed for me like mass meditations and things like that, which I always kind of rolled my eyes at before. It's just like such a different understanding of things now when, you know, it's like that, that like nasty veil of skeptical ego has been removed and you go, Oh, I know I had that all wrong. (laughs) I I recently came to the realization of that when it came to prayer, Mm. when it was like, Oh, you you know, world prayer. And and I was like, what the fuck? Who cares? Like, you you know, like, and, and now after, um, you know, discovering my definition of God and, prayer and just the vibration of, uh, you know, gratitude and positivity, putting it out there. I was like, Oh, I get it. You know, I was watching a documentary on the Vietnam war when the monks were protesting and they were silently protesting and praying, Mm. um, at, you know, during the war. And at first, you know, I I was like, they're not going to do anything. But then I was like, but if everybody did that, yeah, then it would change. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's the whole, you know, the change starts from within. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and, and it resonates out through the vibration and through the, you know, through the smile, through the eye contact, through the, and it's amazing when you can break it down to like simple, relatable, um, occurrences and then there's the science so it like satisfies our like left brain nature of like wanting to understand things but then also really feeling it and knowing it on that like on that heart level and I'm like for me I'm so grateful to be in LA because there's few places that have like as much as there's like the you know like the crazy 405 energy but there's also a really amazing community here and a larger um, understanding of the, a little more, a bigger conscious community, I suppose. And even people that wouldn't put themselves in the camp of a conscious community, like they're just more conscientious about things generally. Like it's a different vibe down here. Like literally, like that was like the modern word was like vibe. But now I'm like, wait, no vibe is actually short for vibration, which is, you know, everything <laughs> we've been talking about is everything. It's like, Oh, everything makes sense. I was just not in the right, I wasn't looking at it from the right angle. I was always back here as a separatist. Like I'm separate from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is that whole ego is like, I'm separate from you, but actually no, we're completely not separate. Yeah. At all. Discovering the singularity of everything is actually what helps uh, like that. Once you realize that we're not separate and we're all connected all yeah. of a sudden, that's when it's like, all the all the the things come together, ping 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 ping, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, the puzzle, the puzzle is together. Right. And I understand it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and like where we and like where we fit into that puzzle, and like being able to still show up. And I wanted to touch on the healing ink because before my, you know, before this this like awakening process, um, even for me, like I was always drawn to like philanthropy and like other people doing it mostly because I was just like, I don't know who I am to do any kind of philanthropy, but I was always so in admiration of people who were doing 
good. And the arts has always been a really great place for that. And I know that you, um, that you do this work with healing ink and I would love for you to talk about it because it's just, it's such a beautiful project from, it could be unexpected for people who have their own idea of what, you know, tattoo and the tattoo world is all about. So yeah, I, that's what I love about healing ink. So healing ink is a nonprofit that me and my partner Craig started to, uh, help people overcome PTSD and the traumas of, uh, being a victim of violence or terrorism. Mm -hmm. So our, our motto is helping people heal through art, um, and getting uh, tattoos have always had a stigma to them, Yeah, you know, being for prisoners or uh, gang members and stuff like that. And to be able to take tattooing and make it meaningful for somebody and to help them heal, I thought would help the stigma of tattooing. And that's kind of what my initiative, my initiative was. Mm -hmm. But then we did our first event where we tattooed, victim or survivors. I don't like using the word victim because mm-hmm. um, actually one of the first survivors that we met, um, she's like, I'm not a victim. Right. So I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hell that. yes. I, I was like, that. get it girl. <laughs> so um, I use that. I, I constantly use that word now when I think of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize how much of an impact these people would have on me when we had, when we did our first event, uh, we did our first event over in Israel and we ended up tattooing, uh, about 20, uh, survivors of, of violence. Like we're talking people that had lost legs, people that had watched their best friends die in front of them going through really traumatic things Mm -hmm. and being able, not, not having the tattoo cover scars necessarily, but it was a way of them reclaiming their bodies and being like, oh, this, you know, this physical violence happened to me. I, I've lost, you know, a limb or I have these scars, but now I get to put something on my body that I want. Mm-hmm. Even though this pain was inflicted on me, mm-hmm. this is something that I get to, you know, choose to have on my body. Yeah. And every time that I look at it, I'm going to think of, you know, that my perseverance, or I'm going to think about the person that I lost and that I loved and, it really changed everything for me that first trip. And after that, it was, uh, it was supposed to be a one, one time event, you know, that one time. And then afterwards I was like, no, 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 we need to continue to do this. So since then we, um, we did an event in New York where we tattooed survivors of nine 11 first responders and, uh, survivors, which was amazing. Um, and then we also tattooed, uh, uh, first responders, friends and family of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. And then we did tattoo removal on women who have been uh, survivors of sex trafficking. Mm. And we are leaving again for Israel this coming uh, three weeks, geez Louise, <laughs> leaving three weeks uh, to, to go back out there for another project. And we want to continue to do it just to bring awareness that Tattooing, even though society doesn't see it as something that is necessarily healing or good, can be used to really, really help people. And it's, you know, to me, I'm like, it's like, um, it's kind of like my crystals, Mm -hmm. you know, where you, you put your intentions in them. Mm -hmm. And without that intention, it's just a crystal. Mm. But 
when you have a tattoo, once you have that intention of getting that tattoo and you know what it means to you, that's something that you can hold on to uh, for the rest of your life. And anytime that you're going through anything difficult, look at it and know that you are taken care of or that you are secure. And to hear the stories of all of these people that we've tattooed, we've tattooed over, geez, I want to say 60 people so far. And the stories are like, I wake up every day and instead of looking at the scars in the mirror, I look at my tattoo and wow. I smile. And that's like, that makes everything. Oh my it. gosh. I just got chills everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, uh, so yeah, our project is healing ink. It's healing ink.org. Um, we have pictures of all of our recipients uh, up on our website. And we also have a, have an Instagram and through my work in the tattoo industry over the last eight years, I've been lucky enough to meet, you know, some of the most famous artists and work for some of the most famous artists in the industry. So being able to take high caliber artists and pair them up with people, uh, you know, people who have met a lot of these people is their first tattoo. Yeah. So wow. being able to, to give them a really nice tattoo mm-hmm. and uh, just the environment is always really good energy. I was going to say it's a safe environment because mm-hmm. there's also that level of stigma around. Mm-hmm. Maybe still. I don't know if it still is like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. You walk into tattoo shops sometimes and guys are dicks. Like, yeah. That's, that's, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it, and you're intimidated, with, right. especially if you haven't had a tattoo before. And it's right. just kind of like you don't know what's going on and you kind of go in there and you, you know, and they're mm-hmm. rude and they're bikers or whatever. And right. <laughs> but this is like, you know, they talk beforehand. They, they, they're the tattoo artist is aware of the story of the person that they're tattooing and they want to do a good job for them. And it, it really just creates like a really caring environment for this person to, to get some healing. Wow. How many artists are you taking um, on your next trip? 10. Wow. Yeah, we're taking 10 this time. Uh, we've done eight every year, but this year, yes, this year we have 10. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And you have people that back this as one organization, or you have multiple, like people can donate, right? Like they want yeah. to. Okay. Yes, yes. We definitely, uh, we want to take this, uh, do more domestic um, events. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have a donor, we have a couple of donors right now, but we are always well, I somehow accidentally hit stop, so we'll like restart. I don't know where it is, <laughs> um, but um, the, the one last thing that I that I wanted to say because like you have a, like a big business background, like I do too, and um, sometimes what I know I've struggled with is um, I need to make it a business. Right? I need to make what I love a business. I, that's all, that's always actually been like something really that I didn't like about myself is like, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I have to turn, turn everything that I do into work. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I can't just have something fun, be fun. Or Mm -hmm. I just can't have something be for me. I have to like somehow monetize it. Yeah. And yeah, that, that I, I got over that, like maybe like last year, Mm. <laughs> that's so good to hear. It's something that's, it's like, I'm starting to like to dissolve it because it was like a really strong, like it's got like big hooks in me because you get that a lot. Like there, mm-hmm. and there's a whole industry that's built on giving you advice so that you make your own business, like blogging, needing to be 
a business. And, and like, I, I've heard this said where it's like, if it's not, then it's an expensive hobby. We'll let it be an expensive hobby. Hell yeah. That, that's what I, that, that's what it's about. Like not monetizing absolutely everything you do. It's like, I'm not after money mm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to be and like, however much money I was making, that's where I was on the, on the totem pole of life. And now that I, it, it's, it's kind of amazing now that I don't give a shit about money. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not making a lot, but yeah. I'm making enough to handle my lifestyle. Right. And I don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. It's like, once I stopped worrying about it and like hoarding it mm-hmm. and trying to like get as much, it was just like, let me just let go. And like, Oh, my bills are all paid and I live the life that I love. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like I don't need to obsess over it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And it leaves room to obsess about other things. Right. <laughs> Right. I know. I know. And I think it's so nice to hear because like if something is meant to be like sustainable that way, because I also have the like a lot of times people will say, why don't you do a course? And I'm just like, I don't feel like I know enough to do a course, you know, like right now I'm working through writing a book about what I'm learning about myself, like to, to be able to take it to that level, like it's a it's an exercise in patience like maybe I will maybe I won't we don't know the path yet yeah like everybody is so quick to be like here's how you can make money Mm -hmm. and it's like but I don't know if I want to do that yet like let me see like who knows maybe you make money off of like painting maybe you make your money you know just doing something but you haven't it it hasn't presented itself yet you know like already yeah it you know I got uh, people telling me, Oh, you know, same thing. It's like, you, you should make t-shirts. You should do that. And mm. I'm like, well, what does that have to do with what I'm feeling right, right. now? Like, I don't like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing this for money. I've got like 125 followers on mm-hmm. the Instagram account and I am so grateful yeah. for every single one of those. Yeah. And it's not about having 10,000 followers. It's not, I'm like out of those 125, like those are, I'm talking directly to yeah. those people. And I'm yeah. so grateful that they want to hear what I'm saying. And I hope to make a difference in just one of their lives. So yeah. it's not about my Instagram number. It's not about making money. Yeah. It's about what I feel in my heart yeah. and the money and whatever else you, you know, need is going to come to you naturally mm-hmm. when you just let it evolve naturally and not try to force it and monetize it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to hear like, and that's like, that's a struggle. I think that's a struggle for a lot of people because what we see out there in media and like anybody with any kind of a marketing background, like we have is like, well, but you know, we know how to do this or that and the other thing, but it's not, it, it really, it's superficial. Like it ends up being a numbers game and then you, you're just caught in this loop. And I see, like, I can see it where they're caught in like, Oh, I lost a follower today and I lost this. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like who gives a shit? And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't, and I can't go there. I can't go there because it's such a slippery slope because yeah. that ego stroking again. And then you're, and then you kind of end up becoming who you think they expect you to be totally. And you start changing yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You start changing and, and then you're not being your true self. And then that's when people, and that this is like the, the funny part about it. You start changing yourself. The people who were originally there for you to begin with, start seeing that you're changing and then they, you know, they lose interest because they see that you're not being authentic. Yeah. And so it's just like, you can't, you can't let, let it affect you. And Mm -hmm. it is difficult, especially, you know, when, 
we were such business oriented minded um, from from our previous positions yeah. that it's like, well, why are you wasting your time? <laughs> You're doing a podcast and only twenty people listen to it. What's the point? <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm. You know, it's yeah. like, it's not about numbers. Yeah. Like stop thinking so logical all the time. Yeah, like it's not exactly. about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like heart work. It's like soul work. Yeah. Um, because in a way like this, it's like a refueling, like this fuels my soul. Like it fills my heart so that then when I have to go do the work that I do to make money, because both of us have like, like paying work, um, that it, you bring something different to that because it has its purpose. It's not the meaning of your life. Like this is the meaning of my life that, uh, that gives me the privilege to be able to make time for this. Right. And it just, it completely shifts also the kind of intention that I give to work. And I think that if, if, we can help more people see that you should pursue a passion and it does not have to have followers. Um, It doesn't have to be more than just passion and letting that be okay. Because I think there's a sickness now around everything needing to be a brand Mm -hmm. and needing to be a certain way and, and have all the numbers. Um, I think we'll see that start to, I I can already see it kind of, um, going away a little bit, but I think longer term people are going to get burnt out. I think people are already burnt out. Yeah. Well, it's also, you can go do something that's your passion and not tell anybody, Mm -hmm. not tell a single person. You can go volunteer and you can go do things and help people's lives and not tell a single person. And you know what? It's still going to do good. Even if it didn't get any likes on Instagram. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This reminds me of something. I think Caroline May said this. She said the most powerful act that anybody could ever do is an act um, of kindness in invisibility, never seeking any kind of anything, any attention, like doing something as an invisible, like kindness is like, um, is the most powerful thing anybody could do is actually ask for invisibility, which is so interesting. Such a contrast to our world today. Right. Where we're posting what we had for breakfast and absolutely everything that we're doing Mm -hmm. and having them blasted out there. And Mm -hmm. it's like, and that's always been my difficulty with social media because you know, I, I feel the same way. I'm like, I, I would much rather do this, but you know, by myself and not, I, I have to literally force myself to do posts, you know, yeah. to put myself out there. Cause I'm like, this isn't mm. like who I am. However, I know that this is the medium that I want to reach, you know, a woman in Chicago who's having trouble in her marriage, who, I, who's have, you know, a woman in, you know, Sri Lanka, who's dealing with, you know, trauma, like that's, that's the medium that I'm, that I'm using. But yeah, I go through that difficulty too of like, you know, I don't, Oh yeah. 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 No, I know. And it's like, you know, I think it comes back to like the intention behind it. So, you know, if, if your motive, it's always like the motivation, like what motivates me? Like that's, that's a question I'm always asking myself, why Mm -hmm. am I doing this? Like, what's my motivation for doing this? And then if it's, for a reason that doesn't align. Like if it's for external validation, then I'm like, Nope, that's not your right reason. 
go sit and go sit in a corner and meditate. Like go yeah. think of the right reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. So then I'll do and and but it's like this constant like practice of like bringing yourself back to intention. Like what's my intention? What's my intention? And then after a while, like any practice, it becomes second nature. But you, when you're like unraveling that, like such a strong piece of of ego, or like that's like a big life challenge for people. It's mine for sure. Is is like it's like babysitting yourself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Uh, it, it's babysitting yourself and, and judging yourself mm-hmm. and catching yourself yeah. and yeah. Yes. <laughs> and forgiving yourself and just like, and that, and like, that was the other piece I learned was like the compassion and the forgiveness piece, like the compassion and the forgiveness piece is just like, I'm finding the right path because it's been like, you know, same, I'm going to be 40 next year. So it's like 39 years of doing things one way. And yeah, I can't also expect it to just like overnight. I'm not just like wake up and well, especially when society doesn't change. Yeah. Like we've been this way for 39 years because of the way like society, we've been interacting with society. And now all of a sudden we, we see things Mm -hmm. totally different but not all these people do. And so we're still in the same realm and we're like, oh shit. Now I got to like next 40 years are going to be like (laughs) trying to deal with this. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. But, but like on the, on the good side of that, it's like, you know, we magnetize like each other to ourselves. So we're like, okay, we're picking up steam. Like I see it as like, we're picking up steam, like Mercury, right? Like I'm picking up, like I'm a Gemini sun. So I'm like picking up like all like they're bringing them all to me and just like, you know, we're going to build and we're going to build. And like, that's like, that's how anything starts and, and gains momentum. And it's also like that, that internal courage and a huge level of vulnerability to put yourself out there in any way. Like I can't bring myself right now to doing Instagram lives, but I have my podcast and I have my blog and like, I'll, I'll do posts now and again. And, um, and just that, that's what I can muster right now. And that's good enough for me. And like, I'm fine. And then I look at what you're doing and I'm like, maybe one day, like, you know, I have like, you know, like (laughs) goals or at least like really surrounding myself with people that inspire me to stay the course because there's so many days where, it, I, you know, you, you fall back down, like sometimes oh, really deep. Tons, tons, tons of those days. Yeah. And you know, me putting myself out there, I, I'm not comfortable in front of the camera. And I made a promise to myself that I was going to be real on sweating and swearing, which also included no filters. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing my videos, I don't put any filters on them. So I got, you know, this one week, I remember I was doing a video. I had a huge ass pimple on my mouth, on my <laughs> face. And I was like, I look like shit. And you know that when I talk, um, I'm usually on my walk. So I'm, yeah. you know, my hair's all fucked up and I just woke <laughs> up, I'm walking. I, I, I'm not wearing makeup. I don't care. Right. And it's just like, if I'm going to put myself out there, I'm gonna put myself out there. And the, what I feel is my worst, right. you know, just my hair fucked up, like pimples on my face, no filter. Right. I'm going to put out there worse because I can't get any more worse than that. Right. It's only going to go up from there. Right. Right. I'm already on, I'm already on my Instagram, <laughs> like pimply faced and, and looking like shit. So when I do wear makeup and, and I'm looking slamming as fuck, then, you know, then I'll feel good about myself. <laughs> I love it. It's like, it's like the, it's the epitome of this is who I am. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, cause when, you know, it's like, well, this is it. Like, this is what I've got. And like everyone, 99%, maybe more 99.99. Like that is exactly who we are most of the time. I'm tired of showboating. I'm yeah. tired of like, you know, I'm in sweatpants today. I'm going to work. I don't give a right. fuck. Like, 
I'm tired of, of putting on this facade, yeah. like, because I'm not, like, I don't like wearing makeup. I mm -hmm. don't. It's not me. Yeah. I'll wear makeup occasionally when I want to feel feminine, sure. you know, and, and dress up like that. But for the most part, like, I'm in yoga pants mm -hmm. and no makeup and my hair's back. And that's right. the way I want people to like me. Right. I don't want you to like me because I'm wearing Gucci or, right. you know, my hair, like, all done. Like, you know, that those will happen sometimes. Yeah. But for the most part... Yeah. This is me. Yeah. I'm in a Magic City hoodie that I haven't washed in like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and you are surrounded by people that love you for who you are. So you don't have to be any different. And that's yeah. such a level of freedom. It's relaxing is what it is. It's super relaxing, you know? Sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe I'm not putting any effort into myself. But then I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm just not making like the external part, like mm -hmm. the main focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Cause that statement, like putting effort into yourself, it's ex exactly what you're doing on like a constant, like daily basis, like the inside work, which shows on the outside and yeah. you don't need the makeup because you have a light, like you, that you look totally different. Like you, I can see it. Like it's yeah. just a different, your, yeah, your light shine through, shines yeah. through. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you so much. I think that's a great place to end off. I I know we could talk for like hours and hours. And, and we like, do. And we do. <laughs> and we do. Um, but this has been amazing to have this. Thank you for this format with like the in-person. Because I do things with people from like far away. Like Heather was in Florida or Jersey, wherever she was when she called in and people from far away. But I think like if I can get people locally to come, like, or this is just like, it's so much better. I'll have hardly have to do any editing either, which is great. It's just, you know, thank you for that. Cause this is, it was a little outside of my comfort zone too, to like do an in-person, like, you know, interview. So, you know, thanks. And now we try and yeah, exactly. we just see if it works. Exactly. Not. Next time maybe we'll, we'll do it on like a Facebook live too, because so much of it was like, I wish people could see your face sometimes. Faces <laughs> describing things. And, um, but thank you so much. This thank you. Amazing. So, um, I'm going to hit stop and everybody, I'm going to have show notes with all the information where you can find Nicole sweating and swearing healing Inc. And, um, thank you for listening and thanks for being here. Love you guys. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor to share this time and this space with you. You can find me on atapietorico.com and on Instagram. Please send me any comments, questions, or stories you wish to share. And if you feel called, please share this with others who are also on their inner journey. When we share our stories with each other, we arrive at our destinations of happiness, fulfillment, and contentment much faster. Until next time, this is Ada Piedrico wishing you a beautiful journey within.